Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 70 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on Monday, January 27th, 2020. And I am back home, back in the greater Washington, D.C. area, after a week down in Mobile, Alabama. And today's show, we are going to sort of recap Senior Bowl week. We're going to talk briefly about the game and get into sort of some winners and some losers and some guys that I'm really going to have an eye on now as we get forward through what really is the start and now into the draft process because up next, Indianapolis, going to be out there for that as well. So going to have you covered every way we can here at the SCO Show. Now, normally you hear the reminders and all that stuff at the outset, but as I am probably sure you have heard by now, Los Angeles Laker legend Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash Sunday. Kobe was 41. Bryant was not alone in that tragic event. His daughter Gianna, just 13, was with him as well. They were traveling to a basketball practice at Mamba Academy, and according to reports, they were accompanied on the helicopter by at least another parent and child, in addition to the pilot. Reportedly, that parent was a college baseball coach, John Altobelli, who was the coach at Orange County Community College. And according to a press conference, there were nine individuals total on the flight, and I am sure in the coming days we will learn their stories, and we will mourn anew. Now, I know this is a Patriots podcast, but there are moments that transcend just this little corner of the world, this little corner of the internet, and this is one of them. Now, we do this from time to time when someone famous passes and passes too soon. We are shocked to our core. We remember where we, may, where we were when we heard. We mourn together as a national, even global community. And in this case, it is a global community. It's not so much that we knew the person or persons who passed. We didn't know Kobe Bryant. We didn't know Gianna. We didn't know John. In all likelihood, we didn't know any of the souls that were on board. But we knew ourselves. We knew the impact that these people had on us. And we know that things in some way might never be the same. Now, as humans, we know that we are not immortal. We are mortal beings. We know that 
an end comes for us all. But when someone who, even just on the stage of sport, passes at a young age, someone who almost seemed invincible, it strikes us differently. Especially in this case. Especially with someone whose entire persona was toughness. A number chosen to signify the hours that you had in a day. The hours that you could use to better yourself. The Mamba mentality. Of course, in the aftermath of something like this, we, we often hear people discuss things like hugging your loved ones. On a very poignant moment, ESPN's Jay Williams talked about, quote, letting shit go, close quote. These are all common and powerful sentiments in the wake of something like this. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. In the past few hours, I found myself thinking of Dan Hammond. For those who do not recognize the name, Dan is a former NFL scout who runs the Scouting Academy, a program designed to teach future scouts the art of player evaluation. Now, Dan won a Super Bowl with the Giants against the Patriots, something he is all too willing to remind me of, as he did just a few days ago down in Mobile. But Dan knows what he's talking about. And I really appreciate Dan's friendship over the, friendship over the years. And I also appreciate his outlook on life. Dan has a saying in the academy. Better every day. That saying hits harder on days like this. Because when we hear stories like this and we mourn as a collective, we often vow to be better. Because that snap reminder of the fleeted nature of life and how suddenly it can be taken away from us forces us in the moment to appreciate what we have and what truly matters. But how long do we hold on to that? As we all vow in the days and weeks ahead to cherish what we do have and to cherish our loved ones, how long do we truly adhere to that noble goal? So here's my challenge to each of you and to myself. Better every day. Think about all of life's inevitable frustrations and how they tend to, to wear on you and break you down and f frustrate you and even frustrate you with the ones that you love. Now, as an example, I'm recording this on Sunday night. It's currently 7.09 p.m. And as soon as I'm done recording this episode, it's my turn to usher our children through their nighttime shower and bathing routines. My wife and I alternate this every night. One of us handles the showers. And the other then reads to them before bed after the showers and the toothbrushing and all that stuff is done. And we alternate this because trying to get a six-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son to shower and brush their teeth and do all of the things that they need to do to get ready for bed can be, well, it can be exhausting. And every night, it's my night to do the shower. I inevitably end up frustrated with them and begging and pleading and yelling, get in the shower, turn the water on, wash your hair. One more minute, get out of the shower, get out of the shower, and so on and so forth. And for what? Why does that frustration matter? Why does it mount? In the end, what does it matter how quickly they get in and out? Is it worth it in the big picture to really hustle them through that routine? If they end up getting to bed at 8.35 instead of 8.30, do those five minutes really matter? The frustration that I express towards them, the frustration that I feel inside, all of life's little annoyances, all of those moments that, that frustrate us with our loved ones, with ourselves, they don't matter. You might be stuck in traffic listening to this. You might be waiting for a train listening to this. You might be frustrated that you might be late for a meeting or late for some appointment. 
But does it truly matter? Oftentimes, if you really think about it, they really don't in the big picture. Because an incident like this, a moment like this, a a passing like this all too soon, whether it's Kobe at 41 or Gianna at 13 or the other souls whose names and stories will learn in the day ahead, it reminds us that in the blink of an eye, our story could end. And the world might hear our story. And what have we done? How have we lived? So my goal going forward, how I'm going to try to be better every day with my loved ones and in my life is to let those moments of frustration go. Struggling to get the kids out the door in the morning. Frustration with a refusal to eat vegetables. All those minor things that raise our blood pressure. To take them in stride. To be better every day. Now this hurts. A story like Kobe's passing, like Gianna's passing, like John's passing, like all of the souls who have been taken from us and all of the other countless people that are taken from us too soon. They all hurt. And in this instance, we're hurting because we know that, that families are hurting. We know that we've lost a piece of our, of our own past, of our own present. How many times playing pickup on a poorly lit outdoor basketball court did you attempt a fadeaway jumper and yell Kobe just as you let it fly? How many times did you do that just throwing a piece of paper away? How many times did you watch that video of him not flinching, continue to stare down Matt Barnes as Barnes faked an inbounds pass right into Kobe's face? How many times over the next few days will you replay those moments of Kobe and Gianna just playing together? Or Kobe and Gianna sitting down courtside as Kobe broke down the game for his daughter? Just small moments from two of the souls this world has lost on Sunday. We mourn their past and we pray for those they left behind, their families and their loved ones. And as we move forward, we can look to honor their memories. We can honor them in a number of ways, the souls we lost. I'm going to try to be better every day in their honor. I'd be honored if you'd join me. Now, one other thing to keep in mind. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to cry. And it might feel weird, it might feel strange, it might feel almost unnatural, but it is natural. It's natural to be sad about something like this. And in the days and weeks ahead, I'm sure we will hear the conflicting stories about Kobe the person and the mistakes that he made. And we will learn about the other souls and perhaps we'll learn other mistakes and things like that. But we're all humans. And Kobe, in the aftermath of some of the mistakes he made in his life, made himself better. He also seemed to try to get better every day. And so it is okay to be sad. It is okay to be hurt by this. It is okay to see this story and learn about the lives that were taken from us and wonder about with Gianna, the woman she was going to grow up to be and everything she had in front of her. And if you are sad and if you, are, if you do find yourself crying, if you do find yourself broken up over this story or other stories... Remember this, my DMs are always, always open because I'm sad too. And if you need somebody to listen, if you need somebody to reach out to, if you need anything in the aftermath of this or any time, don't hesitate to ask. I know that's a deep way to start a week, to start a show. So we're going to hit the pause button. When we come back, we'll talk Senior Bowl. We'll try to get back on track here on the Scope Show.
This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on Episode 70 of the SCO Show. And we're going to talk a little bit about Senior Bowl week, the game, the winners, the workers, how I'm going to term them, people that probably still need to do some work here. And... You know, since this is a Patriots show, we are going to keep this sort of focused on the quarterbacks and some other positions that I think the Patriots might want to address in this draft. And since we will start with the quarterbacks, I think the two guys at the top really sort of help themselves. And you know that both Justin Herbert and Jordan Love helped themselves. When coming out of Mobile, there are two stories sort of percolating as we look ahead to Indianapolis and the Combine. First up, could Herbert be in play for that first overall pick by Cincinnati? And we probably should have been ready for stories like this given the fact that Herbert was going to be in Mobile with the Bengals coaches, that he was going to get a chance to work with Zach Taylor, that he was going to get a chance to sort of show everybody what he can do. But it also goes to the fact that Herbert had a very good week. You know, when you look at the fact that people were wondering about his offense, they were wondering about, you know, what kind of player he's really going to be in the National Football League. Can he make full field reads? Can he make progression reads? Can he attack the intermediate areas of the field? Can he feather some throws in? Can he throw with touch and timing? Can he run a pro-style offense? Whatever you want to refer to a pro-style offense as. He answered those questions. He answered them. And now we wonder. And what was fascinating to me, you know my relationship with the one and only Matt Waldman, who I am so lucky that I got to spend so much time with Matt. Matt and I usually get pulled in 15 different directions when we're down in Mobile. We had a chance to watch some practices together. We had some meals together. We spent a lot of time together. Stuff I will cherish, honestly. My friendship with Matt means the world to me. But when I see Matt tweet out something to the effect of the idea of Herbert at one to Cincinnati, if you start thinking about scheme fit and play style and stuff like that, isn't that outlandish? There's something to be said for. Now, sitting here tonight, you know, Sunday night, January 26th, I still believe Burrow is 1-1 to Cincinnati. But the fact that we're having this discussion tells me that Herbert had a pretty good week. But interestingly enough, and I mentioned this on a previous show, 
there are those that, out of the two, like love more. They like the upside more. They look at the fact that versus uh, in terms of the baker or chef scale, love, he's the chef. There might be more you can do with him at the quarterback position. And so taking those dual tracks in stride, those guys had very good weeks. Now in that second tier, the Hurts, the Gordon, Gordon, North MVP, played great in the game. We've seen that before. A couple years ago, one of my first, it was my, was my first senior bowl. I saw a quarterback struggle with placement. I saw a quarterback, you know, struggle to do things on Wednesday and Thursday practices. And then he wins MVP in the game, has a great game. That's Dak Prescott. You know, and sometimes there are just players that for whatever reason, maybe it's, you know, their mentality, emotion, whatever, they just get up when the lights come on. And maybe that's Anthony Gordon. And so I think he might have helped himself in the end despite some up and downs during practice. I think Hurts, the questions will remain, but I think he can throw the deep ball well, and that's going to get him on a roster just takes one team. I want to talk about a position that I didn't touch on during the week, but I think that we might sort of want to think about this position. That's edge. There's some guys that flash for me. Jonathan Grenard from Florida. I think he had a really solid week. Showed some good technical proficiency as a pass rusher. Then followed up on a solid set of measurables he posted Tuesday. He had some great reps against Calvin Throckmorton when he came into town. Showed some power as well. Was able to get his hands into the chest of a couple of different defenders. Joshua Uche from Michigan. Look, it's tweeners often scare people because it might mean someone without the ability to set the edge against the run and a limited skill set to bring to a defense. But I think there's room, for, there's room for a guy like this on a roster, and I think it's somebody that Belichick might like. He could attack the pocket and collapse it with speed and quickness. He could run the arc extremely well. He can pressure people, but he can cover as well. I was impressed with some of his coverage skills, and so I think he had a really great week. And then, look, Bradley and A from Utah. You know, people saw him during the game itself, but we saw it in practice too. Showed the ability to get after the pocket with a few different pass rushing tools. He could come out of a three-point stance with some hand swipe and chop moves. He's displayed some power on one rep against Colton McKivitz from West Virginia. He was able to lawn arm into the offensive tackle's chest, drive him back. Lawn arm him with one arm, just drive him with lower body leg drive and strength. He had a fantastic week. I think if we've talked offensive tackles some, you know, I sort of want to dive into that a little bit more. I mentioned Ben Bartich, the kid from St. John's. He had a tremendous, tremendous week. Ben Bredesen from the University of Michigan. He had a very good week. I'm very excited about the, the possibility of him to New England. I loved his ability to counter quick moves. 
There was one rep in particular. He slides out like it's a slide protection to his right. Defender tries to cut inside. He's able to recover and ride and carry him away from the pocket. Showed some strength against Darian Daniels, the big defensive tackle from Nebraska. I thought he had a strong week. I thought from Ohio State, Jonah Jackson, good length, good power. The ability to lock out with the arms. Could handle some bull rush. On Wednesday, he had a play against McElvin to Eggman where he won with his initial punch, still able to handle a late spin move. I described it as his left arm acting as a wall of steel between Agman and the pocket. So I thought he turned in a really nice week. Matt Hennessy from Temple had a very good week. Logan Stenberg from University of Kentucky, they had a good offensive line. He had a solid week. Has a very good base. He can mirror, reset, anchor against different types of pass rushers. On a rep against Marlon Davidson from Auburn, able to mirror and slide against the defender, giving up a tiny bit of real estate, but still dropping the anchor and stopping the penetration. I love this battles with Robert Windsor. There is one where Windsor, the Penn State pass rusher, first tried to bull rush, then a violent rip with his right arm, but Sternberg, Stenberg, excuse me, handed it perfectly, stoning the initial strike, riding him after the contact with the rip upwards. I love the way he countered that sort of counter-strike. Some other winners and losers at the tight end spot, which is a spot that I think the, the Patriots need to address. I thought they all did really well. Adam Trotman certainly shined. But all of these guys had their moments. I'll mention Stephen Sullivan from LSU again. I think Sullivan had a very strong week. And I know people are wondering, you know, where he's going to end up. Where does he fit in in the National Football League? And I mentioned talking with Seth Galina about him, and I talked about Stephen Sullivan with Seth Galina some more. I think on a team that wants to run 12, there's a home for Stephen Sullivan. I think he's a matchup type defender because if you're a defense, what do you do? Do you stay in base and leave a linebacker on him? He can run away from that guy. Do you go small? If you do, Sullivan can block corners and safeties. I think he's a Swiss Army knife type player that we know the struggles of tight ends to contribute quickly in this league. But I think given his versatile skill set, his background, I think he can do it. So I think he was a winner this week. You know, Harrison Bryant, I, I think he had a good week as well. You know, also at the tight end position, people started getting excited about the kid from Portland State, Charlie Temoepo. I think he had a good week. Bryson Hopkins, I was excited about the bulk of these tight ends. I know in the Slack channel, we've been a little down on Jared Pinckney. I, th- I still think he has a, a role to play in the NFL. But most of these tight ends kind of got me excited. Wide receivers. I know a lot of people heard James Prochet, the kid from SMU, that the Patriots were interested in him. I honestly did not see him flash as much, but it's driving me back to the tape. So I think that's a pretty good thing. Denzel Mims had a great week. KJ Hill had a great week. I liked what I saw from Chase Claypool and his ability to contribute on special teams makes me think he's going to be on New England's radar for sure. And we know that the Patriots probably want to get their hands on a wide receiver. Colin Johnson from Texas, Juwan Jennings from Tennessee, Van Jefferson from Florida, Devin DuVernay from Texas. These guys all had good weeks. 
And these were just the senior bowl guys. This is such a fascinating wide receiver class. And you can just think about what we're going to see in here at the Combine when these guys get to Indy and start running. It's going to be a tremendous group. So there's tight end, there's edge, there's quarterbacks, there's wide receivers. Let's talk safeties for a quick second here. Because I know there are some other positions to, to think about, but if you're wondering about a McCourty replacement or a Harmon or a Chun replacement, and you're sort of starting to wonder about what the Patriots might do with the safety spot, there were some guys that flashed. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. Brian Perez, who started draft breakdown, now works at NBC Sports Chicago, wrote that he was the most rocked-up defensive player at the weigh-ins. And yeah, he was. Jim Nagy compared him to Cam Chancellor, a box safety with the versatility to play as a deep defender, and it fits. He can play in the box. He can play high. He's versatile. I think Belichick, I think this player screams Belichick. Kyle Duggar from Lenoir Rhine, small school Division II kid. Great coverage skills against tight ends when working down in the box. Was able to match Pinkney step for step on a dig route and undercutting the throw from Herbert for an interception during some one-on-ones on Wednesday. Now Harrison Bryant had some success against him. But that might speak but Bryant's ability more than anything else. People were saying that he might have played himself into the top 50 of this draft. He was fascinating to watch. And then Antonio Brooks from Maryland. He's a guy that box safety type, but again, showed versatility. He was used at times as a single high safety, displayed the ability to drop the deep areas of the field and read the eyes of the quarterback, flash some length and athleticism too, and an RPO-type play when he started down in the box. Hurts pulls the football from his running back, looks to throw, but Brooks stays right in the throwing lane, leaps up, deflects the pass, gets a fingertip on it, alters the flight path of the football. I liked what he did too. And so there are some safety guys to think about as well. In all, a fantastic week down in Mobile, There will be stories, of course, about the late nights, the dinners, the jokes, the laughs. And, you know, I will say that, you know, and it's perhaps the the sentimental nature of just who I am. And perhaps it's the sentimental nature of the moment in a sense. But, you know, I said it in a quick little Twitter thread after, you know, my week in Mobile was over. You know, getting to see friends old and see friends new. It's amazing every time. You know, there are times when, you know, Twitter, we often joke, can be a cesspool, can be so negative at times. But there are people that I get to spend time with down in Mobile, whether it's, you know, Seth Galina or Joe Ferriolo or Matt Waldman or Nick Filato or obviously Michael Kist, Ben Solak, all the TDN guys, Trevor Sikama, Jeff Risden, who, you know, Jeff and I are in a very similar age bracket, very similar life stories. I consider Jeff a dear friend. You know, and, and names that I'm sure I'm forgo- I've forgotten already and names that are escaping me right now. Bill Rossetti. It, it, it's a wonderful experience. It, it's wonderful that despite the negativity of Twitter from time to time, that I've met people that I will consider friends for life through this app. And I genuinely, deeply care about these people. And I want to see them have success. And I'm I'm overjoyed when they do. I'm reminded of 
I mentioned Kornheiser a ton on this show and then previously unlocked on Patriots. And, you know, what did Kornheiser say? The, the things about, you know, getting famous. You know, it's to get the good table at restaurants, to enjoy the success of your friends and to crush your enemies. Well, I don't do much enemy crushing, but I do enjoy the success of my friends and my peers. You know, while this is a competitive industry, I love it when I see people succeed. I love it when people secure their bag. I love it when people produce great work. I may get jealous, as you might have heard me talk about on on a show I did with Matt Wallman, and it may be humbling at times. There may be times like on a Tuesday night in Feats when I walk in and I look around the room and I'm like, everybody in here does better work than I do. I look at Seth Galini and I say, man, you're just smarter than me. I know it. But it's great to see their success, and I enjoy seeing it. And Senior Bowl is a wonderful week. I'm excited to do it again in a couple of weeks, going out to Indy for the Combine for the first time. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be fascinating to see. My plan is to get in Tuesday, um, leave Friday, but that will allow me to track basically the first tier of players. You know, they, they're changing up the Combine this year. But it's going to be fascinating to see because – if I get in that day, that allows me to track this group, tight ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers. I will get to see them from media portions through their workouts. Then I'll also get media stuff with the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebackers. But I really want to ta- track that tight end, quarterback, wideout group because, yeah. And we might know more about why we need to track that group in the weeks ahead. But again, just a fantastic time down at Mobile. Thank you all so much for retweeting the stuff for, for sharing out the work for listening to the shows i know the audio was a little bit different because you're working with a you know the portable mic and things like that but thank you all for listening um that will do it for today i will be back later this week what we're going to do now as we get into the draft we'll have like new segments and stuff like that and we'll start looking at prospects breaking some guys down probably going to take a look at deeper dive into ben brendanson because Like many players, he has me itching to go back to the tape to watch him, so I'm probably going to do that on a show later this week. Until next time, look, better every day, right? Better every day. Hug your loved ones, honestly. The future isn't guaranteed. It's not written in stone, so make of the moment what you will. And of course, keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.